Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode number 55 of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the wildfire man himself, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Tommy, how are you doing today, brother? Jumping Jay, how are you today, sir? Fantastic, man. It's a great day here in Minnesota. Not too cold. Things are starting to maybe hint towards the spring. Maybe. Uh, how are things in New Jersey? Uh, today's nice, man. The sun is shining and actually supposed to go up to 50 today. So, uh, yeah, same, same with us. Looking good. So, yeah, we were supposed to have, and, and, and I, only, I only posted this on my personal Facebook page, no, no other of our social media accounts, just because it was a last-second thing. Uh, we're scheduled to have uh, Tunga Kid on this morning. Uh, it might be a mix-up on one of our ends, though, because Tonga's uh, three hours behind us. So when I texted him last night to come on the show, uh, by the time he responded back to me, I was sleeping already. He texted me like at midnight, so it was nine his time. Saying, All right, send, he gave me the, his email, so he sent me the link. I guess maybe he thought it was a, a, a video podcast. But I texted him back this morning saying, no, it's over the phone. But, again, with a three-hour difference, it might have been a mix-up somewhere. So if he texts me during the show, uh, we will definitely call and get him on. If not, we'll definitely have him on in the future. He's super cool. Uh, really, 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 really great talent. And uh, he'll be one of the stars appearing at 80s Wrestling Con Live on May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. We're going to be talking a whole lot about this convention coming up in the upcoming weeks and months here on the podcast. A who's who of 80s wrestling stars will be appearing there. I just had Jake the Snake Roberts uh, this past weekend in New Jersey, Jay, at Garden State Comic Fest. And he's uh, very much looking forward to reuniting with his wife, Cheryl, at 80s Wrestling Con on May 7th. Well, and if, I, if my memory serves me right, Jake the Snake was filling in for Ted DiBiase, who, who fell under the weather. So he was a, that's a big name to get last minute as a fill-in. And so I'm sure people were out of their mind to see Jake the Snake there. And then, yeah, to see him come into the conve- convention with his wife, I got to imagine that these two don't appear together often. And so this is like a, a once in a lifetime chance for a lot of people to meet both of them at the same time, Tommy. I know I'm excited about it. Uh, what was the fans reception like of Jake the snake this weekend? Were people just stoked to see him? Oh yeah, man. He's, he's Jake the snake Roberts. I mean, he's, and I posted this on my personal Facebook page this weekend, a picture of me and him. I said, I've worked with them all, but there's only one Jake the snake Roberts. And it's true. Uh, he just, uh, he walks into a room and he just commands attention and, and, and he's just one of those, you know, iconic pop culture names. Um, you know, everyone remembers from that, from that era, you know, and he, and, and, and again, it was, it was great that he was able to fill in on such short notice. I was scheduled to have Ted DiBiase and unfortunately uh, Ted uh, has COVID and he wasn't able to appear. And then, you know, you know, trying to, you know, replace someone of Ted's name, name, Ted, Ted's a gigantic name in the right. name, you know, and then with it only being two days away, you know, I really lucked out and also thank you to AEW. They actually flew Jake uh, from their show to New Jersey last week for us. So uh, it was, it was, it was a, a big, big help. So yeah, Jake's awesome. And uh, he'll be appearing with Cheryl at eighties wrestling con live. Now I had a feeling this was going to happen, Jay, uh, just because of the time difference. And when I, you know, texted him back this morning and get back to me. So I, I, I was, you know, sometimes, you know how it goes, Jay, we, we call this in the ring. It's happened in the past where, you know, 
uh, guest falls through or a time, you know, difference happens. So, I mean, it's no big deal. We're going to talk all about uh, some cool stuff coming up for 80s Wrestling Con live on May the 7th. Uh, I don't want to call it an infomercial, but, you know, we really haven't talked in depth about, you know, the big convention coming up in May. And, and I thought it would be cool, and I'm sure some of the listeners would, would like this as well. I wrote down some names that I've worked with in the past uh, on some past conventions, and I'm going to read you off some names that I've had the pleasure and opportunity to having at my events. And uh, looking back on it now, this is one thing that I hate, Jay, is, is back when I was younger, I never took pictures with uh, talent that I had. Uh, you know, I was only you know, 21, 20 years old. I didn't want you know, the wrestlers or, or people thinking that I was just you know, trying to be a fan taking pictures with these guys. Now that I'm older and wiser in the business and, you know, I understand it a zillion times better than I did back then, you know, I kick myself in the ass for not taking these photos because I had guys like Bobby the Brain Heenan on past conventions, the living legend Bruno San Martino, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, the missing link, Bam Bam Bigelow, Captain Lou Albano, Nikolai Volkov. Iron Sheik, obviously Sheik's still around, but he doesn't really do any conventions anymore. Jim Cornette, who, you know, doesn't really do any conventions. Rick the Model Martell I had right off of WWF. And, and, and as you know, wrestling collectors and fans, they're dying for a, an appearance with Martell. I had him back in 1994. Uh, the Bushwhackers together, Luke and Butch, I had them together. Jimmy Superfly Snuka, King Kong Bundy. Jim the Anvil Nightheart, Dr. D, David Schultz, Sensational Sherry, the Fabulous Moolah, Mae Young, Mabel from Men on a Mission, George the Animal Stale, um, Chief J Strongbow, Playboy Buddy Rose, David Sammartino, Kevin Von Erich, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Hillbilly Jim. I'm not name dropping by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just, you know, listing some you know, talents I worked with in the past and maybe thought it would make for an interesting conversation if anyone wants to know anything about any of uh, uh, dealings or having those, um, those talents on past events. Well, let me ask you this, Tommy. As an outsider to the way conventions run, I know very little. I know I've asked you a little bit about this in the past, but remind myself and the listeners, when you're starting this convention side of your, your business, how old are you? Well, I did my first convention when I was 16 years old. I, I might have told the story on one of the early episodes of our podcast that we did, but um, I had gone to John Arezzi's Weekend of Champions convention as a kid. I was only 15 years old, and I walked into this convention, and it was like, you know, I was a kid in a candy store. It was, you know, all kinds of tables, people selling wrestling merchandise, and wrestlers signing autographs, taking pictures. And I never experienced anything like that before. And a lot of people give me credit for being the originator of pro wrestling conventions, but it was actually John Arezzi that was. And I went there as a kid, man. I just fell in love with it. And I had, at the time, I was doing a wrestling newsletter. I was going around all the independent shows and interviewing guys and, you know, just, you know, just trying to some way somehow be involved with wrestling. And, and, and through having those telephone numbers from doing the newsletter and going to the independent shows, uh, a wrestler you might remember in the WWF was part of the Hillbillies, Cousin Luke. He lived in New Jersey, and he helped me get a couple guys for the first convention, including uh, Demolition Axe and Jim the Emblem Nightheart. So I was 16 years old, and I run a fir- my first convention, and I have a couple hundred people there. And uh, I made a couple bucks, uh, literally a couple bucks. And uh, I decided to do another one the following summer. I believe it was July. And this time, 
it was a big one. And I had like a thousand people there and I was 17 years old. And through this convention is where Dennis Coluso, who was the promoter and president of the NWA at the time, probably the biggest independent uh, wrestling uh, promoter out there. He was there. And when he found out that a 16 year old, a 17 year old kid put together that convention, he, you know, was obviously impressed and took me under his wing and, the rest is history. So, you know, when I was younger, I promoted many shows, and a lot of these guys that I just mentioned were on those shows that did tribute to WrestleMania. One convention that was really big the day before WrestleMania 20, that was at Madison Square Garden. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's how I, I first broke in the, the wrestling business was doing these conventions as, as a kid, literally. So does a guy like the missing link know that a 16, 17-year-old kid is putting this convention on? Like, how did the, how did the talent themselves, you, you, you listed like some huge names, like top <laughs> tier, like people would put some of those names in their top five of all time. When you're <laughs> dealing with these guys at such a young age. What is that back and forth conversation like? Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily I had a lot of help back then. Um, and I'm, I probably mentioned this on, on past episodes as well. Like Jimmy Superfly Snuka, uh, through the Metal Maniac who lived in New Jersey. He, he stayed with uh, with the Metal Maniac, and Metal Maniac you know, took a liking to me and brought Jimmy around all the time to the point where Jimmy Snooker was at my graduation party, my high school uh, graduation party, my birthday party. He watched a WrestleMania at my house. I was actually talking about this on my interview I did last week on the two-man power trip podcast. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I was – Jimmy was – you know, God in New Jersey at the time, as far as wrestling goes and uh, wherever Jimmy was, you know, thanks to the metal maniac, I was around with them as well. So uh, the guys all saw me hanging around with Jimmy. And even though I was a kid, I was accepted because I was with the Superfly, you know, and uh, through him and then Dennis Coluso obviously had a, a huge uh, influence and uh, influence on, on, on me becoming a promoter and, and making connections because, you know, Dennis took a liking to me and Dennis was, extremely extremely connected and uh through my relationship with him you know i got connected as well so yeah I, it was a really a lot of luck in the beginning and in in the rest how the wrestling business is man it's always a who you know you know it doesn't matter sometimes how talented you are because there's so some people i see out there that are so talented they should be the main eventing at wrestlemania and they never even worked for wwe so i mean it's all about who you know and and uh, again, it was all, all, all luck for me at the beginning. At the beginning, but then at some point, you kind of find your groove and you kind of figure out what works, what doesn't work, what fans get excited about. Uh, if you had to, because, I mean, you've been doing this a long time, and you've got a huge one coming up, 80s Wrestling Con Live on May 7th, uh, in just a few months away. But you've come a long way from your first one to this one. I'm putting you on the spot here, Tommy. I know. Cause like you said, we're calling in the ring, but is yeah, yeah. there, is there any lesson that you've learned from your first show to this one, either something that you realize works really well, something that doesn't work really well, maybe something you promoted thinking it was going to go over huge and it kind of fell flat. What's some of the biggest takeaways you've had as you plan so many of these things? Well, that's, first of all, that's an awesome question. And the answer is really simple for me. It's, you know, I had a, you know, had a 16 year old, 17 year old, 21 year old, 22 year old mentality back then. And now I'm a 44 year old grown man that understands marketing and, and, and understands the business five, 
quadrillion percent better than I thought I did back when I was 21, 22 years old when I was, you know, running these events. Um, yeah, just, it's just my mindset is so different. And I, I mentioned this also on uh, the podcast I did last week. And anyone that wants to hear that, it was really, really good. It's the two-man power trip. I was the guest with John last week on there. Really good uh, interview he did. He's got a really good interviewing style. Just like yourself, Jay, you're going to probably get me talking about stuff that I've never mentioned here on the on the podcast before because we really don't – I mean, we we dive – a little bit in the ISPW and I know that one episode we talked about me being a promoter, but we never got too uh, in depth into the convention promoting aspect of it. So uh, yeah, just my whole mentality, man, like back then, uh, you know, it was, you know, I was 21, 22 years old doing these conventions and they were successful. And then, you know, I couldn't wait just to go out and, you know, hang out with my friends and party and, and drink all night back then, you know, and, that that was the extent of it. It was never. I never did anything bad, but you know, I was your regular twenty-one, twenty-two-year-old kid. He wanted to go out and party with his friends and have fun, you know. But uh, and 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 then there was no, you know, there was no capitalizing on momentum because when you're that young and you're not mature enough for that role that you're about to be in, you don't care about capitalizing on the next one. You'll get the next one when you get the next one. And uh, I wish that I can have the opportunities I have. I had back then now because man, I would. Whew, there was some events there that I, I could have had been a million times bigger than what they were. But again, it, it, you're you're dealing with someone that has the mentality of a 21 year old uh, now, opposed to someone that's 44 has a family, you know, understands marketing, understands the business much better. It just yeah, it just I know that it's a I thought it was a simple answer, but now I'm jibber jabbing about it. But I guess it's not because. Yeah, I guess I guess the, the my my mentality was just completely different then because I was pretty much just a, a, a slow kid, you know, running these events and you know, I, like I said, I, I mentioned this on last week's episode that I did of that podcast. I, I didn't have a normal sixteen year old high school life. I mean, like I went I missed my high school graduation because I was running a wrestling show that night. Um, I had, like I said, I had Jimmy Superfly Snooker coming over to my house watching a WrestleMania, and you know I was going out to bars when I was 16 years old with Jimmy Superfly Snooker and Iron Sheik. Uh, so yeah, I didn't have the the normal um, life of <laughs> of a regular high school kid. Well, listening to you just say that last paragraph or two made me think. You know who would be a very interesting guest on this show is Mama Fierro because I gotta wonder. <laughs> What does a Mama Fierro think of a 16-year-old kid hanging around with wrestlers, maybe getting into a bar underage, doing this kind of stuff? What did your parents think of all this? Obviously, they must have been very supportive of you. But behind closed doors, do you think do you think they had questions about what is Tommy getting into? Is this safe? Is this good for him? Have you ever had that conversation with your folks? No, man, because they know back even back then, you know, I was a good, I was a good kid. Like I never, you know, going out and just, you know, having some beers with my friends was the extent of it. I never did any, I never got in trouble in my life, you know, so they they knew that I wasn't going to go out and get in trouble or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, I guess I never really asked them <laughs> what they thought of, you know, a, a famous TV wrestler hanging out in their living room watching WrestleMania uh it, it must have been you know unique for them as well but they were always uh extremely supportive uh always my parents my mom and dad always so supportive my mom and dad would take me to wrestling every time it was in new jersey at the continental airlines arena well back then it was the brendan Byrne arena 
And uh, I would, they would take me every month. And then when they were locally at the William Patterson College in Wayne, New Jersey, when they did shows there, I would go to all them as well. And again, I mentioned in past episodes, I would have every piece of wrestling merchandise when I was a kid, every magazine, T-shirt, poster, you know, uh, teddy bear, whatever it was, you know, I, I would have it, figures. And uh, yeah, so they always, they knew wrestling, as even as a kid, was my passion. They always, you know, supported it a million percent. And I, I will say also that they supported it as well when I, you know, wanted to pursue becoming a, a wrestling promoter. I'm sure that, you know, they had their hesitations. I thought, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when I was younger that they rolled their eyes, you know, behind my back and they had every right to because, you know, I was that young thinking I was to be the next Vince McMahon. And even I rolled up my eyes at myself back then uh, because, you know, I look back at some of those opportunities I had that I just I missed. But uh, I'm very, very grateful to have the opportunities I have now. You know, I, I've, I'm so thankful for every fan that comes to one of my events. I'm so thankful for every fan that orders a 8 by 10 pitcher on our virtual signing. I'm so appreciative of every person that walks in my store. Like, I, I always, you know, I always envisioned having a run that I'm having now back then uh, when I was younger. But I didn't think it was possible back then. Uh, and again, obviously my mentality was completely different than what it is now. So, uh, now I'm, you know, my, I, dude, I, I'm really like into like, uh, motivational stuff. Like I, when I, when I drive to work every morning, I'm just listening to motivational, uh, soundtracks in the car on the way there. And like, I'm reading inspirational stuff and, and motivational quotes throughout the day. And I just like, I'm, I'm, I just feed my brain with like really positive, stuff like that and uh and yeah now with with that with that mentality man i think that anything is possible no it absolutely is and like you said you have to have the right mindset you have to keep yourself in a positive headspace keep yourself motivated to keep pushing forward keep keep moving forward and i know your big thing that you've been saying the last few episodes is that you're just you're saying yes to opportunities and you kind of commit to something and then you figure out a way to make it happen. And I think that's the recipe that a lot of successful people have is when opportunity comes knocking, you got to answer that door and you got to, you got to grab it and strike while the iron's hot. Um, one of the things that keeps running through my mind is I got to believe a lot of these wrestlers that are coming to your wrestling cons then, but especially now they probably never saw this as an opportunity during their career. They probably weren't thinking, when I'm retired, when I've been away from the business for 20, for 30 years, there's still going to be a demand from the fans to meet me, to see me, to sign autographs, to interact with one another. And so have you picked up on that from the talent that comes to these conventions? Are they just as excited about it as we are? Is it kind of a way that they keep to keep reliving those glory years and kind of it just seems like a really cool thing. You know, if you're a banker and you retire from the banking industry, 20 years from now, if you walk back into the bank, no one's really going to recognize you. But All right, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me answer take that over. Quick. Yeah. All right, so ready? So here, here, here's the, the really quick answer to that. Say, you know, someone calls you up, Jay, right? And says, you know, just say, let's say, for example, you were, you know, Let's say you're a baseball player, you know, you're a baseball player for, you know, for a pro team and, you know, you've been retired 20 years now and, you know, you're, you're at home and, you know, you still follow it and you still miss it. And, 
you, know, you still have tons and tons and tons of friends from in the baseball industry that you don't see anymore. Uh, and you miss those bonds, you miss those connections. And then your phone rings and someone says, Hey, I want to bring you up to New Jersey for the weekend to uh, do a, a, a convention and meet and greet. And you're going to get to hang out and see 20 of your, you know, old friends and get paid for it. Of course they want to do it, you know? So and I think they get more excited than, than, than the fans do because you know, all these bonds and relationships that these guys had with each other when they're on the road, you know, and they don't get to see each other anymore. You know, now they get the opportunity a couple of times a year to do these conventions and, you know, relive their glory years and days with some of their closest friends. And yeah, it's a cool deal, you know? Okay. Here's, here's a question that I have. I've, I've wondered this for a little bit now, but you kind of brought up a good point. So if you call somebody up and you're saying, Hey, I'm putting on this wrestling convention. Here's the date. I'm wondering if you can make it. Does any of the talent ever ask who else is going to be there? Are they curious to know who's appearing with them? Or do they just kind of say, yeah, I'll do it. And then they find out once they get there, who's all yeah, there. They, they don't, they don't ever ask, you know, they just, you know, they, they just, they take the date, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, with social media now, everyone's on social media. So they're going to find out you know, who's going to be on it anyway. But yeah, no, I've never, I've never had that really. Very interesting. Well, as you know, we're talking all about wrestling conventions with Tommy, who knows more about that business than any of us. Uh, we were hoping to, to meet with the Tonga kid, but as Tommy said, the, the time difference in the island of Tonga is just a little different than New Jersey and Minnesota. But we do have a guy hanging on hold. We're going to take his call. Welcome back to the show all the way from California, another different time zone. Brian, the brain, we're calling it in the ring this morning, Brian. How are you doing? Doing great, and uh, there's an episode I'd recommend to everybody, which is uh, pulling back the curtain or behind the curtain with uh, Tommy Fierro. It's uh, it's in the archives. It's about an hour and a half, and uh, you guys delve into Tommy's uh, uh, career a little a little more heavily, and uh, I, I found it really enjoying and and uh, really cool to to find out your connections with uh, King Kong Bundy, Jimmy Snuka, uh, just the the passion and the uh the hard work you put into what you've built up it's your uh your your empire that you got going today tommy so uh uh thanks to uh jump a j thanks tommy for for everything you guys do out here and uh question i had for tommy is uh uh did you have any siblings was it uh were you an only child uh any any friends that you had back then that you still keep in contact now that were also wrestling friends or wrestling uh, fans? Very good questions. I, I enjoy them. And, and feel free to uh, think of another one while I'm answering this one. So I had had three brothers from my father's first marriage, uh, and they were they were older than me. And uh, two of them lived in Florida uh, for most of the time. My one brother lived up there. My two of my brothers now unfortunately have passed away. Uh, the one of them uh, used to take me. Actually, I believe all of them took me to a show in the past, uh, and when they were at the Brendan Burn Arena in New Jersey. But my one brother uh, went to a few with me. His name was Raymond, and he was a big British Bulldog fan. And and he actually, you know, through him, I became a huge British Bulldog fan. So I remember him going, taking me uh, a few times. I think all my brothers took me at least once. Uh, my that brother Raymond, the one that passed away, he actually was at one of my first shows I did in, uh, it was in Patterson, New Jersey at St. Gerard's Church, and it was 
the main event was, and I believe it was 90, I must say 95 or 96. The main event was Iron Sheik against King Kong Bundy. So, I mean, that's a pretty big uh, match for a main event of an independent show. And I remember him being there for that. So he got to see one of my shows, which I'm really thankful and, and proud of that he got to see it. My other brothers didn't. But, uh, you know, my one brother is still alive, and he lives in Florida. But yeah, so from the first part of your question, so yeah, my three brothers from my dad's first marriage. Uh, any friends that I keep in touch with from kids? Not really. Um, actually, I, I take that back. I am friends with uh, one of my childhood friends on Facebook, and I used to wrestle with him in, in his backyard when uh, I was a kid all the time. So I know that he – his friends me on Facebook and he sees I do wrestling and yeah, a couple, a couple, uh, yeah, a couple kids that I grew up with when I was 13, this girl lived across the street from me. Uh, she, I'm friends with her on Facebook. She knows that I do wrestling stuff and yeah, it's, it's cool, man. Some, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm, I'm out or people come in the store that I, you know, they remember me from when I was younger, from, uh, maybe was in the high school with me and, you know, heard of what I did afterwards through the newspapers or whatever like that. They, they think it's cool. And back then, um, I guess it was a little weird, you know, having a pro wrestling promoter that was uh, you know, a junior in high school. Uh, I guess, you know, now they look back on it they, and they, they probably think it was pretty cool. But back then it was like, I don't know if I was an outcast, but like, you know, I was on the bowling team because I was a big bowler. Uh, and, and bowling obviously wasn't a popular sport like baseball or, or football. So, you know, they, they label you, you know, one demographic just being a bowler. Then you're a bowler and a wrestling promoter. And like, oh, this guy's this guy different. This guy's unique. But you know what, man? I, I've always had that philosophy, um, especially now when I, as a promoter. Like, if I see 500 people going right, I'm going to go left. And that's how I, you know, I try and do my stuff well, off of that motto. Well, you've, you've done what you loved, and I'm sure your family and everybody that loves you is very proud of you. And, uh, and you know, Thank for you me, know. growing up, uh, my my parents kind of, they were gracious enough to get me all this stuff and to take me to the events, and they kind of put up with it. And, I, you know, I talked to my dad and said, uh, you know, back in December, I said, hey, it's been 35 years since we went to our first show, and how did you like doing going to those? Oh, those were fun. Yeah, we saw blah blah blah. You know, but he didn't have like favorites. Did your did your parents or or now that you're you're married? What are your what is your your in laws? What do they think of wrestling? And did does your do your parents or do your in laws have any favorites or ask you questions about the business? Uh, very are, cool are, that your wife is so supportive. These are great. These are great questions, right, Jay? I'm loving it, man. Yeah, he's, he's it. digging, he's digging deep, and that's cool, man. I like, you know, this stuff I never, ever, ever, ever spoke about before. So yeah, man, I, I'm an open book. So uh, yeah, so when I first met my wife, uh, she was a, a fan as a kid. So her dad was into it as, as, as when he was younger, and I remember them, her telling me when I first met her parents, uh, they took my wife Allison to see a couple shows i believe one of them was hulk hogan against adrian adonis at the brendan burn arena so oh, yeah i mean they, they they probably thought it was a little a little strange though i mean the first, my first time i ever went over to meet her parents i, I come with a couple uh vhs's of and at the time because i was doing some uh managing stuff up at 
uh, off of the Wild Samoans WXW wrestling promotion. Because at the time, ISPW and WXW were doing like an invasion angle. So I had some stuff of me managing and doing some stuff up there. And I, I brought that the first time I met her parents and, uh, and, and put it in their VCR and, and had them watch it. So, yeah, I mean, it was a, definitely a unique uh, first uh, experience, I'm sure, meeting me. But, yeah, they're, they're, her dad is uh, super, super supportive. Uh, and uh, like I said, he was he was a fan of it back in the 60s and 70s and even early 80s. So, uh, you know, you, I can find him sometimes watching a Bruno Sammartino match on YouTube against Ivan Koloff. And, and he, you know, he asks me questions about it. And uh, and her mother, she thinks it's, you know, she's very supportive of it. She doesn't know much about wrestling, but, you know, she's definitely super supportive of everything I do. And, and, and my, of course, my wife, I wouldn't be doing this right now if it wasn't for her giving me the okay to do wrestling full time. So yeah, man, I, I have an extremely um, great support system with my family and my mom and dad as well. Like everyone, you know, everyone knows that it's my job now. So, um, and even my, even my daughter, even my daughter enjoys that. She just started coming to the shows when I started running again back in uh, Labor Day weekend. And uh, she's been to every show. Oh, the one show she was, she was under, she was sick. She wasn't there, but, she uh, she loves coming to the show. She really really enjoys it, which to me is the most rewarding part. Seeing her and there's one wrestler on my show. Her name is Vicious Vicky. She's the ISPW Women's Champion, and my daughter Emily absolutely loves her. And uh, she she enjoys going to the shows and watching her. And actually, a couple weeks ago, Vicky came over to my house to hang out with my daughter, which is really cool. She could say, you know, our, you know, my favorite wrestler came over to hang out with me. So. That's a conversation starter for school on a Monday morning, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, Vicious Vicky seems like she's an up-and-comer and and, uh, definitely has the right attitude and energy for this business. So hopefully uh, all the success in the world comes to her as well. Was there my, My mom, I think, liked Randy Savage the best. When we went to that first show, she probably had nine pictures of Randy that she took and you know, four or five of the Roddy, uh, Roddy match that I was really wanting to go see. But, uh, did you, did your mom or your dad have any favorites, uh, that they, uh, you know, watched or, or said, Hey, that, that guy there, that's, that's the guy that I, uh, can identify with. What nah, I don't, favorites in them? My, my, nah, just, my dad, just my dad, my dad used to call it, ah, that, ah, that fake wrestling. Yeah, he wasn't really really into it. my mom. You know, my mom would watch it and tolerate it, and I'm sure she, uh, you know, loved watching me wrestle my pillow probably you know an hour a day every day. Uh, she, I used to put on my own. I used to put on my own uh, cards. I would make the program up and give it to my mom, and then I would wrestle my pillow as a kid. And uh, I think I'm going to tell this story in a in a early episode. I went to the top. I went to the top of the the. Um, top of the dresser and went to do the superfly splash on the bed on the pillow but I missed the bed and broke my broke my ribs but I, I remember I remember as a kid though man like I always had I always had that promoter mentality and I never told this story to anyone before too this is the first time I'm saying this so when I was a kid and I lived next door to a um, a laundromat it was a pop of laundromat they had you know, Pac-Man and wrestling superstars games in the back of the laundromat. And you know, the kids would just be in there all the time playing the video games. That's all we had and where we lived at. So anytime WWF went to our area, when they did Brendan Burn Arena 
I would make up a big poster for the event with a magic marker, and I would cut out pictures of the wrestlers that were going to be on the show and, and glue them on the poster. And then when I was done with the poster, I would hang it up in the laundromat window. And it got to the point, even though I was a kid, everyone in the area that liked wrestling couldn't wait for the new poster to come up to see what it would look like. So even as a kid, I was, God, I was had to be only probably not even 10 years old. You know, I was, I was, you know, already had that promoter's mindset of doing that every time in the area. Yeah, I was uh, typing up uh, ratings every week for a few years there, but what you did was next level, putting the posters together. That's good stuff. Nice. Yeah, nice. totally. The uh, the other thing I was wondering is, uh, I know you got to hang out with Jimmy Snuka, which is awesome. Um, were there any, uh, back then you probably got into it a little after his big feud with uh, with Piper, I'm guessing. You were just probably just past that but uh, was there any topics that he really liked to discuss or was he kind of a quiet guy or, or uh, what was it like hanging out with the Superfly? Oh man, it was, he was larger than life, man. Uh, you know, I don't really recall um, the conversations too much. Uh, he, he was, he was, uh, he was quiet, but <laughs> excuse me. He was uh, extremely uh, generous of, of a man. Like I know that his name stirs up a lot of controversy, but I can only tell you guys what the experiences I had with him. He was always uh, super generous with his time, uh, his money, and also, you know, just such a really, really humble guy for being such a, a gigantic name back then. I mean, you, we couldn't go anywhere without someone knowing who he was. You know, everyone, everywhere we went, people knew who he was. You know, I mean, this is back in 90... 495. So, I mean, he's right off the WWE TV back then, his, his second run, WWF TV. So, I mean, anywhere yes. he went, you know, people, everyone remember, you know, in the 80s, you know, he was one of the biggest icons ever. So, yeah, it, it was cool just being in his presence when you would go, like, to a restaurant or uh, I remember one time we went to, uh, and it was actually after my graduation party, my high school graduation party, we went to the Meadowlands State Fair uh, and him walking around the fair, man, people like their necks would like, no joke, like would zap around like, holy shit, that's Jimmy Snuka. Like, so everyone knew who he was. If, if you knew anything about wrestling, and even if you didn't know wrestling, you remember, he was one of those iconic names during the pop culture boom when WWF was on MTV. So like that household name like Hulk Hogan or Roddy Piper or Jimmy Snuka. I mean, uh, yeah, man, it was it was it was pretty cool. And, and same thing with uh, King Kong Bundy. Did you call him Chris or did you call him Bundy or King Kong? And like, uh, he seemed like a, uh, everything I've heard, he seems like a really nice guy. And he's, you know, main eventing WrestleMania too. He by all means should be in the Hall of Fame. I wish it had happened when he was alive. But uh, that's, yeah, uh, that's just ridiculous. He, he, that's ridiculous. He's not in the Hall of Fame. And it's also ridiculous that Demolition's not in the Hall of Fame as well. And I thought when uh, WWE, I thought when WWE was here in New Jersey a couple of years back at MetLife, I thought that Bundy would have definitely had gone in at that point because he's a Jersey guy. But yeah, I, I don't know. There must be some, there must be some gigantic heat or something there for them not to put him in because the guy is the main event of WrestleMania too. Uh, I'm wondering if it had something to do with um, those com- those com- the computer com- commercials. Computer commercials. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I don't know if he was still with the company when he. He got that deal, or and then remember he was on uh, uh, Married with Children, so I'm not sure if there was some disconnect there. 
got to be something that's gone wrong that he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, I think it's stupid. Well, so many of these guys, you know, Haku and Tama and Slick and Bundy and, uh, it, you know, I don't think Adrian Adonis will go in because of the nature of his character in politically correct times. But, you know, there's another guy that tag team champion, so talented, you know, and uh, uh, and I've, I've uh, touched base with his daughter, Angela Parides, on uh, Twitter in the past. And she's uh, she's an interesting person to talk to because she was kind of kept away from the wrestling business. And, and same with, uh, uh, with Travis Orndorff, uh, Paul's son. Uh, these are people that mainly they remember him as dad and, you know, not so much the wrestler, but as their dad. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's really cool when you get to talk to these you know, kids. Stay, stay on with us because I'm going to ask Jay a question. Now, I don't want this entire podcast to be about me because, you know, Jay's the co-host. So, Jay, I want to ask you, and, and Brian, maybe you can you can follow up with me on this. So the the original story of how me and Jay met was Jay was just one of my followers on 80s wrestling social media on Instagram. So he, he reaches out to me and he says, you know, he, he I think he made a graphic for the page. And I thought, oh, cool. We just, started, we just started talking. One thing led to another, and he made a couple of designs for me. And then I don't even remember, and maybe Jay would know, uh, how, how the podcast Ever. We originally did a podcast before this one. Um, I think maybe it was like 20-something episodes, and then I started getting busy, and then I don't know what happened. We stopped. Or no, Jay got busy. Something happened where we stopped doing it, and then I think it was the time of night or whatever. And then <clears throat> when uh, I said we could do it in the morning time, and then uh, you know it, that was much better for both of us. But I want to ask Jay, how cool is it for you you know, just being a, a fan sending in a graphic, and now you're like you're like connected yourself. Now <laughs> you're doing a, you're doing a podcast every week that a lot of people are listening to. You're interviewing wrestlers all the time, getting autographed pictures sent to you almost weekly. What, what what's the what's it been like for you the the whole uh, thing so far? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank Brian because when you're calling it in the ring, I feel like I made a hot take to Brian, and he came in. And he helped fill, you know, 12, 15 minutes of the show. So thank you, Brian, for the hot tag and coming in and keeping the ball rolling. It, for me, it's an absolute thrill because I grew up a huge wrestling fan. Um, and I am not a graphic designer by trade. It's kind of a hobby. I enjoy drawing and things like that. So I started to dabble in graphic design. Love wrestling. So I followed wrestling uh, on Instagram. And, of course, Tommy has one of the top pages it's probably the top page out there for pro wrestling and 80s wrestling just really like this stuff so i made a little graphic sent it to him thought nothing of it conversations talking and then yeah next thing i know um you're inviting me to do a podcast with you the first time around which is an amazing experience and now if you just think about the the wrestlers that you've hooked up on the show that I've got to talk to. It's a thrill. I went to a, your first uh, 80s wrestling con in New Jersey, got to meet some of my childhood idols. And so, yeah, it's a lot of pinch me moments, Tommy. So I always tell you, thanks for bringing me on the ride because never in a million years did I dream by sending you a graphic that it would lead me to be able to talk to some of my, my childhood idols. And so I, I greatly appreciate that, Tommy. It's been absolutely fantastic. And then icing on the cake, we get to mingle and talk to amazing wrestling fans like like Brian from California, Danny from Butler. Here's the thing. The school I grew up going to had like one diehard wrestling fan, and it was me. 
I literally had like no one. People knew about wrestling and they could talk to me for five minutes, but sure. nobody lived it and breathed it like I did. And so Same now, here. now with the internet, now with podcasts, the community of wrestling fans, even though we're on different coasts, you're in New Jersey, I'm in Minnesota, Brian's out in California, we're stretching the United States, but here we are having a conversation about 80s wrestling. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, too, and I, I mentioned this in the past, is, and <clears throat> if you're in the wrestling business um, and you understand it, like, and the fa- no matter if it's one of the, the boys, one of the fans, someone that does production in wrestling, they all have the same laid back, for the most part, 95% of the time, the same laid back, cool, easygoing, outgoing personality that you can connect with almost instantaneously. I mean, I, I've met Jay one time in my life at the, at the 80s wrestling con. He came to, I consider him one of my, one of my close friends. I honestly do. Uh, you know, we don't talk every day, but when we do, we text a couple of times a week. And when we do talk, it's, it's awesome. I can talk to him all day long, but it's just, you know, just that, that, that bond, that wrestling business uh, helps, you know, connect people with it's just it's really special, man. And uh, I'm happy to have you a part of it, Jay. I really am. You you do so much behind the scenes that uh, the the fans don't even know about to to help make the oil uh, help make the oil run in the '80s wrestling con tank. And and Jay, let Brian and anyone else out there know also the the firsthand experience of being at one of the '80s wrestling cons. I know it was a couple of years ago, but if you can share some of the memories you have of the different events that was at that, and and some of the things that you you took home with you from that experience. Well, I'll tell you this: it was my it was my first wrestling convention ever. Now oh, I was been... I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know if you told me that. Yeah, my first wrestling convention. Now, I had been at places that had a wrestler or maybe two wrestlers doing special appearances, okay? I, I met some wrestlers that way. But this was my first full-blown convention. And I will tell you this. The first thing that I didn't expect, and I walked in and it blew me away, is the number of vendor tables that are there. And they're selling all sorts of amazing merchandise. Like, I literally think I spent two, three hours just walking around, looking at all the different vending tables, talking to the different vendors. And I did, I did make some purchases. There are some things that came home what, what with did you buy? me for sure. Well, I am a huge fan of the LJN wrestling figures. And slowly, thanks to eBay, I've been building up a little bit of a collection. And then the oh, only you didn't one... Tell me this. You didn't oh, tell man. me this. Yeah, so then the only ones that you have left, if you're a collector like me, is the, the rare ones, the higher-priced ones. Because on eBay, you can pick up the common ones in good shape for just the, you know, not too much money. But if you're talking the rare ones, if you're talking about getting them in decent shape, it can cost a pretty penny. And it's a hobby collection. I'm not a diehard collector. It's a hobby collection. I enjoy the hunt. I enjoy looking for them. I came away, it's in my drawer right next to my desk here, Uh, I came away from that first convention with a King Harley Race LJN with crown in immaculate shape, like pristine shape. And so I was tickled pink to bring that baby home with me. But the vendor tables blew me away. Then you see all these wrestlers, and they they come through the door and they're walking to their table, I don't know how many of them walked right by me, 
Jake the Snake and I made eye contact. I shook his hand. I said hi to him on his way to the table. And then you wait in line and you get to go to the table. And all these wrestlers are super personable. You know, you're only interacting with them for a minute, minute and a half. But they're so nice. And they're asking you questions. They're willing to pose with you. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat put his Hall of Fame ring on my finger for the photo. Shook his hand talking to him. I walk away still wearing the ring. And, you know, I get out like of line and I realize, oh my word, I'm still wearing his ring. And so I walk back to the front of the line, I give it to him and he just laughs it off. Like I could have legit stole it, didn't mean to, but I just forgot I was wearing it. So it was just an awesome experience. If anybody's never been to a wrestling convention or never been to one of Tommy's conventions, you need to go because it is a coming together, a community of wrestling fans. The, the wrestlers are there, and it's really like a love letter to pro wrestling because you're just interacting with people. The positivity is through the roof. There's good vibes. It was an amazing experience. It was definitely a high. Like, I had a hard time sleeping that night because you're just kind of reliving the excitement. Wow. Man, I, I, I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it, but I, I didn't know. You didn't ever went into that depth, man. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy that it was a great experience for you. And, and also, Jay, did you talk about – you being a part of it as well? You know, Tommy invited me to come and be kind of one of the, the hosts of it. So I got to go on stage, and I got to, to nice. ask questions and pass microphones to the Nasty Boys. I got to uh, pass it to the Rock's dad. Uh, it, it was wow. insane to be shoulder to shoulder with these guys. And I think the thing that was a little trippy for me is as a kid watching them, you buy into what they're selling. And so you believe that the big, nasty guys are big and nasty, when in real life, they're some of the biggest teddy bears. And so just to interact with them uh, and see how nice and genuine of human beings they were, like, it, w- it was cool to see that after watching them as a kid. That's yeah, awesome. of a lifetime. That's great stuff. And then, uh, you know, I, I want to give credit to, to Jay also. You've got this radio voice. You've got great timing. I, I assumed when I listened to this that you're somebody that's a podcasting veteran and that this is your your latest podcast that you've uh, you know signed up and are committed to. Is this your first time doing this? Because you do a hell of a job, man. Oh, Brian, bless you so much, man. I, I so appreciate that. I no, I am not a I am not a podcaster. I'm not a radio guy. I was just born with a face for radio, and so I guess it just works to be it's sitting behind another, a microphone. It's another example of, of how I stepped in this shit, Brian, because I, 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 and I, and I mentioned this on a different podcast last week about when I, uh, when I got hooked up with this last match, uh, Broadway rock musical that's being worked on right now and how it kind of fell into my lap and stepped in the shit on it. Uh, same situation here. This guy has this absolutely phenomenal voice like you just mentioned his his yeah. timing and his delivery is just freaking phenomenal and the, the most important part is he gels with me and my personality absolutely perfectly i feel like i can do like look at this we we went into today's podcast expecting to talk to the tonga kid and here we are it's you know 47 minutes in we didn't, we're just still, we're still bullshitting. That's, it's, it's just so easy to talk to Jay. And, uh, yeah, man, his timing is perfect. His delivery is perfect. He is very, very, very well-spoken, which makes it so much easier to have a, a intelligent conversation with someone 
And yeah, man, I, I again, I stepped, I stepped, and he just happens to make graphics absolutely phenomenally. He knows how to how to handle a website too. So yeah, I stepped in shit big time, Jay. Wow, that's that very kind. Of- for, if you ask for a raise, I, I guess I'm on the spot now. I'd have to give you one. <laughs> well, let's let's complete uh, this 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 triple threat match, Brian. Let's learn something about you, brother. What do you do when you're well, not hanging out with us on Thursday morning? Well, you know, you're, we're kindred spirits with the LJM. I got lucky, and in 2015-2016, that's when I started uh, building up the collection. I had 40 of them as a kid, but uh, I, I started buying them then, and they were quite a bit cheaper, you know, seven, six, seven years ago than they are today. Yes. And if you go to uh, – what's funny is when I decided to get a Twitter account, I went – I, I figured, well, 80s wrestling, I go on there, and I – oh, that already exists. I'll do 80s wrestling fan. The very first guy I followed is Tommy Fierro. So, like, when I look nice. at my following, you know, nice. people that I followed, he's at the bottom of the list of first guy I followed. And so what I do on there is every day I'll have uh, – usually I'll do something from a magazine, but every day I'll put a couple of uh, figures and something about a match from this day in history. So LJNs are the top for me. I do uh, – you know, Mattel's every once in a while, but – but yeah, if you just check out '80s Wrestling Fan on Twitter, then you'll see, you know, every day I got something with usually LJNs involved. So, you know, luckily I got them all back. Yeah, I'm gonna, a little I'm gonna bit start sharing more of those. Expensive. I'm gonna start sharing more of those for you, Brian. Hey, well, Brian, it's, it's just a hobby. It's fun stuff. But, uh, but yeah, that you know, I I started working when I was 16 and worked at a stereo store and did it right up uh, shoot 29 years. Uh, you know, right up through when uh, COVID got shut down here in California. And so my girlfriend of, who it's going on 26 years this summer, she's an RN. So we kind of switched places and she's taken over career wise. And I've been just doing stuff at the house and, and taking care of business and I'll see if I can find a new passion. But uh, so far it's been fortunate to, uh, you know, get into to back into the, the wrestling passion and, and uh, you know, just doing stuff around here and and uh, talking to you guys and whatnot. And and we got a vacation planned, and uh, and we have elderly pets, so we haven't been on trips for years. So we got a vacation in March that we're going so to. So what you're, what you're saying to me, Brian, is you're financially secure, like the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. No, but uh, comfortable. <laughs> we got uh, only because we got our house in ninety uh, eight. Uh, back when houses were cheap out here. So nice. uh, our, our, our overhead is low. So that's, that's the good thing. Yeah. All right, Brian, I got, a, I got a question for you, Brian. Did you, uh, two yes, questions. Sir. First one is, did you say you have all the LJNs? I do. The only thing I don't have that's original is boss man's LJN nightstick. I have, uh, sure. I think it's a Hasbro, but it looks just like the real thing. So Man. that works. And Bossman right, yep. is one of the LGNs that I'm still on the hunt for. So maybe there'll be one at the next wrestling convention. But, Brian, let me ask you this. I love the LGN line. There are so many figures. Do you display any of them? Or, like, where is your collection? Well, that, so I got uh, – there's 63 guys that actually had LGN figures made of them, if you count Slaughter, and then there's variants and everything. So I've got in the neighborhood of a little over 100, and I have a shelf in the garage that has – the bulk of them, and then in our in our uh, third bedroom, which is like a little office, we uh, have a shelf with uh, probably about a dozen of my favorites. So they're not 
prominently displayed, but they're all accessible in the, the shelf in the garage. I could see them all. And, and so, you know, they, I have easy access to them when I want to uh, take a picture in the yard and post it with something that happened on that day. So it's, this yeah. is going to be a tough question because it's like picking your favorite candy or something. But if you had to give me like your top three favorite LJN figures on the spot, well, you give me like three that you hold above the rest. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got like three different Roddy Pipers, and the one that I had as a kid with the boots all scuffed up, that'd be number one, and then Bundy, right. uh, Bundy's number two. Three is where it gets a little tougher. Uh, yeah, there's, there's there's so many good ones, so uh, the three spot would be difficult. You know, it's, okay. It, yeah, it, yeah, that that's where it's just it's too tough to call. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. How about you, Jay? What, and you, uh, you, Tommy, would you guys have uh, LJNs that you hold above all others? I, I will say just the the favorite figure at the time seems to be the one that you just got. Like when I got that King Harley race, like that thing was like, I just looked at it every day because it was like I finally had it. It was very cool. If I had to put like my favorite figure or my top three, I'm with you. It's incredibly hard to do. I'm actually a big fan of the Vince McMahon figure. I just think it looks really cool. Uh, I'm a yep. huge fan of the Hogan. I have the white. I I have the original Hogan, the shirtless, the common one. I have a white shirt Hogan. Yep. I'm still on the hunt for a red shirt Hogan, but I love the pose and the look of those two, the white and the red shirts. They just capture that 80s feel. There's so many classics. The Savage figure is awesome. The Bundy one is awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could go on and on and talk about OJN figures. Tommy, you've got a collectible store. You probably see these things come through your door. I don't know if you're a personal collector, but if you know LJNs, you have a favorite? Uh, well, first of all, yeah, man, that's they're, they're hot, 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 hot. Those and Hasbro's are both red hot and uh no luckily i'm not a collector because if i was i'd be out of business because the stuff that comes in here some of the stuff i want to keep for my um, the majority of everything that comes here i want to keep for myself so uh yeah sometimes it's tough to to part with stuff but it's cool to look at while it's in my store but yeah man i mean who wasn't a fan of lgn's growing up but yeah it's it's a there's a extremely hot market for it and then if you're on facebook there's tons of different LGN and Hasbro groups that you can join on there and people post pictures of what they have and what they're selling. But yeah, they, they always move extremely well. And, and same with, uh, same with the Hasbros. I'm a big, I, I'm a big fan of old magazines and programs, uh, wrestling magazines from the, from the eighties and early nineties and, and all the old WWF programs that they would sell out the arenas for $3 each, uh, back then with a lineup sheet circulated in the middle of them and something cool i actually just have a uh a new graphic designer that i'm, I'm hooked up with jay I, I, I think i told you this right before we went on the air he he's interning um with our business for the next three months and he his his work is, is like really sharp so without me even asking this morning he put together a lineup sheet for the upcoming ispw show next friday night in butler new jersey and the style of the, the sheet is the insert sheet that you would see in the 80s WWF uh, programs, Jay. I got to text to you when, when the show's over. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. But, yeah, so, Can yeah, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big poster. I'm a big poster, and uh, I'm a big – I'm sorry. Um, oh, posters, too. In my store, I have all the old 80s posters hanging up that I do own. 
But yeah, I'm I'm big into like old like WWF magazines from like '83 to '93, and then you know the old programs as well. I try and if I if I see some cool stuff, I usually keep it for myself on those. Do you still have the ones from when you were a kid, the lineup sheets in, the, in any of the programs? Yeah, um, the programs I don't, but the lineup sheets I have. I have when I was a kid, I had a big uh, had a big book where anytime and, and back then in the '80s. Um, in the early nineties, all the newspapers in the New Jersey area, they would report they do stories on the upcoming shows at the at the arena and then the results as well. So I used to cut them out and put them in a in a um binder and and also would uh, cut out the lineup sheets and, and stick them in there. I wish I wish I didn't cut them out and stick them in there, but yeah, I have them all still when I was a kid, yeah. Very cool. And then uh, you were a wrestling eye guy, but was there a favorite other than WWF magazine? I always uh, gravitated towards Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Yeah, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and uh, I liked all. I mean, I like, dude. I collected everything as a kid. Uh, if I if I collected Wrestling Eye, you know, I collected the rest. You know, Sports Review, Wrestling, The Wrestler, Inside Wrestling, um, you know, Gold yeah. Belt Wrestling, Wrestling World, yeah, Wrestling Main Event. Anything really, anything, and, and back then it was cool. You'd walk into a store as a kid and you see fifteen different wrestling magazines on the shelves, and I would have every one of them. So uh, oh, yeah, and then, anyone out there that is into that kind of stuff, the old magazines, uh, we do a uh, we do a subscription on our store's webpage. If you go to thewrestlingcollector.com, you can sign up for a uh, you can sign up to get an order. You can do it for one month, two months six months, one year, and every month we ship old wrestling magazines to you. I just actually bought a, another big collection yesterday of about 580s wrestling magazines. So we got, over, we got close now. We have close to 4,000. We might have probably over now 4,000 magazines at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. So if you're ever in the New Jersey area and, and want to stop by and see tons and tons and tons of wrestling magazines, uh, definitely check us out, the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey, but all right, man, Brian, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I appreciate you calling in and staying on with us for a while. And we again, we we're calling it in the ring, so you got to uh, stay on longer than uh, typically, and uh, we got to know a little bit more about each other, which is cool. And uh, we look forward hey, to talking next thanks. week. Great job, guys. You have a uh, wonderful Super Bowl weekend, and take care out there. You too, you brother. Too. Thank, Thank you so you, much, man. Brian. Appreciate you this morning. Yep. And take care. Speaking of Super Bowl weekend and the wrestling collector, like we were just talking about. Uh, College Football Hall of Famer Ron Simmons and WWE Hall of Famer Ron Simmons will be appearing at the Wrestling Collector this Saturday from 12 to 3 p.m. along with the franchise Shane Douglas. So if you're in the New Jersey area, kick off your Super Bowl weekend at the Wrestling Collector again. Shane Douglas and Ron Simmons will be here this coming Saturday, February 12th from 12 to 3 p.m. And then uh, Sunday, obviously, the Super Bowl. And then Monday, Jay's favorite day of the year, Valentine's Day, where he has to finally dig down deep. And let me tell you something. When I say dig down deep, this man literally has about $3,100 bills just like randomly inserted in his jeans because this guy screams money. (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that, Todd. But you're right. It is Valentine's Day, and I'm I'm assuming, in good judgment, you did not schedule a Monday night virtual for this Monday because you knew what day it was. 
Brother, I, I, I pitched the idea of having Greg the Hammer Valentine on Valentine's Day. My, my, no, I'm only kidding. No, I'm not that stupid, brother. <laughs> I'm not that dumb. I would talk about getting heat. I would get tremendous right? heat. Oh, uh, man, I would never, ever, ever do that. But we'll, we'll be back next Friday, though, um, for our next ISPW show. We'll talk more about that next Friday. The uh, main event will be for the ISPW World Heavyweight title, the Superstar Danny Morrison with Maven defending the title against former WWE superstar Scotty Tuhati. So we'll talk more about that show on next week's episode. And until then, Jay, I hope that you and your family have a great weekend. I hope to see some of the fans in the New Jersey area this Saturday at the Wrestling Collector for Ron Simmons and Shane Douglas. And I hope everyone has a great Valentine's Day. And hopefully if you're smart enough, don't uh, watch Monday Night Raw. Go out to eat dinner. Go get some candles lit. You're going to see the same match a decade from now on WWE programming, so don't worry about it. <laughs> so until then, I hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week, hopefully with a guest on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.